Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is the 64th episode uh, of the Pucks with Hags podcast. So the post Brad plus one Brad Marchand uh, episode of the podcast with him uh, coming up on a thousand games played in the NHL uh, on Tuesday. That should be pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, great moment. Um, but thanks for, for tuning in. I am your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, get a premium membership. You get all of my NHL and Bruins writing sent straight to your inbox. Uh, you can also find my work at bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, after every Bruins game, uh, file a column. Uh, work with Greg Bedard, Mike Giardi, a, a host of talented people over there. So uh, go check them out as well. Um, let's get to our sponsors real quick too and thank them. Uh, Factor Meals, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. Uh, delicious meals ready in two minutes. Chef uh, made, dietitian approved. Uh, they're delicious and uh, just good meals, good food, and they're ready in two minutes in the micro in addition to also being healthy. Um, so that's good stuff. Head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. And with Super Bowl Sunday here, uh, also you got to get you got to get down with uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, that those are our guys over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, getting ready to watch a 49ers Chiefs should be a good game. Should be really entertaining. Uh, lots of star power in that one. Should be up and down the field with lots of offense. Um, so happy Super Bowl Sunday to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. Uh, if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about getting on the couch, watching the game, having some nachos. Maybe I, I think I'm going to go to a neighbor's house and get some ribs. Um, it'll be excellent. But uh, what we also love most about Super Bowl Sunday is the prop bets. Let's face it. Uh, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super, Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many points will be scored, so much more. So new customers get on that FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's real easy to download and use. Join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up. All right. Um, where do I begin? The Boston Bruins. Man, this, this is going to be a mailbag episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. Uh, I'm going to be answering your questions, but uh, let's also like talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, lost three to nothing to the Vancouver, not the Vancouver Canucks, lost three nothing to the Washington Capitals on Saturday afternoon. Just dropped an absolute stink bomb. Um, no effort, no energy, um, very lethargic. Nobody really ever stepped up and, and created a spark. Uh, they had four shots on net in the first period and the second period. Um, and that was coming off a, a good win against Vancouver a couple of days before. And then before that, uh, a similarly ugly bad loss, uh, four to one to the Calgary Flames. Uh, that was the first game back from the NHL All Star break, and I think some of that was explained away uh, by it being the first game back from the break. They hadn't played in nine or ten days. Uh, there was obviously some rust, um, but they just did not look like themselves. And you know, they they did that again against Washington, and it's really against the two teams, uh, non playoff teams, teams that you might take for granted going into a game like that or think it's going to be an easy win, uh, you begin to realize at this time of year with about 30 or so games left in the regular season, only a few months left until the playoffs, 
that every game is going to be hard every single night. Uh, teams are fighting for playoff position. Teams are fighting to stay in the playoffs. Teams that are out of the playoffs, uh, those players are fighting for jobs and fighting to stay on the team that they're on um, and already worrying about next year. So they become incredibly competitive, tough games um, over the last few months of the season. And that's a good thing. That gets uh, teams like the Boston Bruins ready for the playoffs. But I would... I think the biggest takeaway I have from uh, these losses and what's going on is that just that they weren't ready uh, for the ratcheting up of the intensity. They just don't have the urgency that some of these other teams do this late in the season where they're already locked up for the playoffs and they're going to be totally fine. And even if they go on a, a, you know, a 500 stretch, they're still a playoff team. They may not end up the number one team in the Eastern conference in the Atlantic division, but they're going to be perfectly comfortable and, and be in the playoffs. So I just don't think they're going to have the same urgency that some of these other teams are going to have and the hunger that some of these other teams are going to have. And that's good. Um, you know, adversity like this, getting booed uh, off the ice on, on Saturday afternoon against the Washington Capitals, honestly, I think that becomes a good thing. I think that is something that uh, last year's team did not experience during the regular season. Uh, and it was clear when the the poop hit the fan in the playoffs against the Florida Panthers they weren't ready for that kind of adversity. They weren't ready, um, you know, for that kind of resistance, for that kind of trouble that they hadn't had all year. Um, and they weren't prepared to deal with it in the room, on the ice. Uh, you know, the coaching staff, I don't think, was ready for that kind of adversity being thrown at them, any of them. And it, 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 they did not respond well enough or quickly enough um, to what was going on against the Panthers. So now they're getting it this year, and they've gotten it in pockets this year, um, which I think is good. Uh, you know, overall, obviously, nobody ever wants to get booed off the ice. And uh, that was not a fun game to watch on Saturday, uh, regardless of uh, who you're. I guess if you're a Capitals fan, it was fun to watch. But I think for pretty, pretty much anybody else, it wasn't an exciting brand of hockey. And it certainly wasn't uh, two teams really going at each other. It was one team uh, just DOA on arrival just didn't even show up. So um, I think we're going to see pockets of this. Uh, through the rest of the season. I, I it, When it gets to this time of year and a team is in a playoff spot, you start to see the, you know, they'll win three or four in a row and they'll play really well and then they'll lose a few in a row and they won't look well. And there's these wild swings back and forth between uninspired hockey um, and, you know, correcting things and looking pretty good. And I think the Bruins maybe are in that place where we're going to see them sort of waver back and forth and and play, you know, close to 500. I think they're going to lose probably some more games down the stretch here. Um if they have no shows, uh, obviously, like they did against the Flames and the Capitals. But the the thing that's too bad about it is um, they had a seven-game homestand coming out of the All-Star break. They're home basically for, you know, two-plus weeks, um, which is unheard of in, in the NHL during the regular season. Uh, and this could have been a chance for them to really, like, soar and really separate themselves from everybody else and create a huge cushion. Uh, and they're not going to be able to do that when they play, when they, you know, punt away games against non-playoff teams like Calgary and, and um, Washington. But um, by the same token, I think it's not such a bad thing that they don't separate. Like if they have teams chasing them, if they feel like uh, teams are catching up to them, if they feel like they're playing for something um, down the stretch and the games have some level of gravity, whether it's playing for position or, you know, just playing to make sure their game is right going into the playoffs. I think it'll be a little different than it was last year where they just ran away from everybody and had nothing to play for for a few months at the end of the season. So um, this is not the worst thing in the world, but I think when you talk to hockey people, and I actually had a conversation with a longtime hockey person yesterday after the game was over, um, and we were both agreeing. We're like, 
this is just the part of the season where you see this from teams that have long since clinched a playoff berth against um, other teams that are hungry and, and have something to play for. You see some games where they're just not ready to play with the same kind of desperation and energy and, and urgency that uh, some of these other teams are. And I think we've seen that a couple of times, uh, but there's some, you know, other interesting points to be made uh, as we get into the mailbag here, but just in general, uh, I would not panic after a loss like uh, the Capitals or the Flames two out of the last three games. Um, I think Brad Marchand said it pretty well when it's, you know, is he concerned? No, there's no concern. They're fine. Uh, they've just had a couple of losses and they move on. I think he's got it in the right perspective because he's seen this happen before. And he knows that this isn't going to be a tailspin. This is just kind of where they are in the season. And there's going to be some games like this uh, along the way. The, the trick is not to have too many of them in a row, be able to pull yourself out of it uh, and be able to have uh, some good performances. But like 3.30 in the afternoon against Washington on a Saturday, uh, that is not a... That was, that was not even close. Uh, the Bruins were a complete no-show. And that I, I'd say that was the worst loss of the year because they just did not show up and never showed up. Four shots on net each in the first and second period. Not a lot of life in the third. Uh, Jim Montgomery basically like saying, all right, the room is yours, players, for the third period because he was just – he'd had it with what he'd seen on the ice in the first couple of periods. That's, uh, that's not what we've seen uh, typically of the Bruins. But we've seen it a couple times this year where Montgomery's felt like he had to challenge them, criticize them for their play, get on them a little bit. Uh, and it's interesting that 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 bit of coaching is going on this year when it, it wasn't happening uh, last year uh, with that team. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, putting some uh, football squares together with your friends, and placing some super bets at FanDuel Sportsbook. And I'm not even just talking about who's going to score the first touchdown, uh, who's going to win the game, who's going to be ahead at halftime, who's going to be uh, a special guest at the halftime show. I'm also talking about player, uh, non-player prop bets. I'm talking about Taylor Swift prop bets. So, you know, all the good stuff that we're going to see there that's making everybody happy. Uh, so right now, you can go to FanDuel Sportsbook and they have so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel Sportsbook also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more, including what is Taylor Swift doing at halftime. All right, all you got to do is join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Now is a great time to get on board with the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Network, FanDuel Sportsbook. If you haven't done it before, the app is easy to download and you can just go get going with the bets. Uh, with The NBA and the NHL are in full swing too, but like right now we know it's about the Super Bowl for the next two weeks with FanDuel Sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston to start getting your bets going with FanDuel Sportsbook and make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. That's 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, uh, let's get into uh, some of the emails, some of the Facebook messages. Um, from F Calabro 428 Hags, why does this team play down to its competition? Caps 22 and 20, losing five, six in a row, two inconsistent, very concerning. Uh, well, they weren't. I mean, look, they haven't been that inconsistent. Um, they wouldn't be in first place in the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference and be up there with Vancouver as the best record in the league if they were inconsistent. Uh, they had a th bad three-game stretch around Thanksgiving. Uh, Charlie McAvoy was playing some of the worst hockey of his season, and they gave up 17 goals in three games. They had uh, a rough stretch right before Christmas where they were not scoring any goals and not creating any offense. Um, and now they're having another rough stretch here uh, coming out of the All-Star break, uh, having lost two or three. And, and I think what we've seen is, uh, you know, at times one way or the other, um, the schedule has been a factor. Things have caught up to them a little bit where they haven't had their best brand of hockey. They haven't had their best energy. They haven't had their best legs. And I think they need that. I don't think they're talented enough to just blow teams off the ice like they were last year. So um, when the schedule kind of uh, is a mitigating factor and kind of evens the playing field against other teams a little bit, um, and other teams are now putting the same level of effort and energy into it that the Bruins have been doing all season, uh, you're going to see games like you saw uh, in the last couple. And, you know, if they were to play every two out of three games like this for a month, uh, especially against inferior competition, I would start to be concerned. Uh, but right now I'm going to look at it as face value. And I, I'm going to say they took Calgary lightly and Washington lightly coming out of the break. They kind of thought they were going to be able to throw the pucks out there and, and you know, have their way with this seven game homestand coming out of the break. And I think they were met with the reality, the sudden reality that teams are playing harder. Now the, the level of intensity around the NHL for all these games, uh, because of what I mentioned before uh, players playing for jobs, uh, teams jockeying for playoff position, just a lot of things on the line for a lot of players um, that teams have met the intensity level and, and elevated it. And I think it's going to take the Bruins a little bit for, to adjust to that uh, when they were on the beach for a week uh, at, at, during the bye and the all-star break. And and then they come back to this and, you know, teams are going right for their throat. They they certainly were not ready for that Calgary team that came in first game out of the break and just slapped them across the face. I mean, that was, that Calgary team was at them, very physical, every whistle going at them, pushing them around, making physical statements. And the Bruins kind of turtled in that game. They did not have a lot of pushback enough, not even close to enough. And they weren't ready for what Calgary was bringing in that game. And I think that was a strong wake-up call that uh, the Bruins need to up at a level, uh, intensity-wise, physicality-wise, uh, just nastiness-wise. And I still think they need at the trade deadline some players that play that way to complement what they're doing. You know, uh, it, I think they should do something similar to what they did last year uh, when they brought in heavy players from Washington and Orlov and Hathaway. I think they need a heavy defenseman and a heavy forward, um, preferably a guy that plays center uh, that can win faceoffs too uh, for their bottom six. So you bring in those two players, and I think they've and added what, to what they have and, and uh, sort of this uh, raised level of intensity the Bruins need to have, and I think they might be in a better place. Um, you know, be better prepared for the playoffs. But I, I think this should be 
um, a wake-up call that the Bruins need to add a little more physicality and intensity to their, their and heaviness to their roster. And uh, like team-wide, they just need to be more assertive um, against physical teams and not wait for them to get pushed to push back, you know, and they should be the ones doing the pushing. It's, it's easier said than done when you're in the spot that they're in because they just, you know, it's hard to manufacture desperation when you're way ahead of everybody else in the conference and the division, but the Bruins need to figure out a way to do that. Um, but I'm, you know, it's similar to Brad Marchand not being concerned about the Bruins and, and saying, yeah, it's a couple bad losses, but we're not, you know, concerned in this dressing room and, and being a good leader saying that I, I, I think when you look at this team, when you look at the balance of what they've done this year, not concerned about where they are and where they're going, they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, are you, is there some concern that we're going to see some of this in the playoffs again, like we did last year against Florida? Yes, I, I think that is a concern. And that's why they need to go out at the trade deadline and get some heavier uh, playoff style players, uh, some in your face players to add to what they have now, because I think they need more of that. And, th and that's where it's concerning. All right. Uh, Hanky talk, man. Um, Bruins were certainly listless, but Washington is, as Fluto Shinzawa put it, an in-your-face man-on-man coverage team. Bruins are consistently bad against those teams. That's why they are not great versus Ottawa, Panthers, etc. Monty needs to work work on the Bruins on countering that style of play. Um, do I think it's because they play man-on-man -man defense? No. I, I honestly, you know, I don't think that. I don't think that's a big issue. I don't think that's something that is a huge problem for them uh, or, or something that creates these issues they have with, with certain teams. I, I really don't. I, I think it's more about um, with Florida, it was much more about the four check um, and them giving the defenseman trouble. That's not man on man defense. That's just their aggressive four check. Um, I, I don't think the man on man defense was, was a big issue. And I, you know, was it, it was the man on man defense the reason they lost uh, to Washington on Saturday afternoon? No, absolutely not. They lost to Washington on a Saturday afternoon because they didn't show up. They were still in a game, one to nothing, for a long time in that game when they did not deserve to be in that game because Jeremy Swayman was brilliant. But they were right there. If they'd shown any signs of life whatsoever, they could have won that game, at least put it into overtime and gotten a point out of it. They just didn't show up. Um, and yeah, Ottawa maybe has given them um, some trouble this year, but for the last couple of years, but there's always one team, I think, uh, that's not a playoff team that tends to give every other team some issues uh, during the year. And I think Ottawa is just that team uh, for the Bruins. Um, I just, I don't buy into that. I think these are NHL players. They can handle man to man. They can handle zone. I don't think it's it's a huge issue one way or the other. The systems, the systems, I think, are overrated in general. I think the systems talk in the NHL is hugely overrated. Uh, I think all these players can adapt to different systems. I don't think it takes them very long to learn the systems because they're not that different. Um, you know, maybe a, a game or two, maybe a week, and then and then they're right back into it. This isn't the NFL where like there's widely different you know offenses and defenses, and it's not like that. Um, you know. I tend to shrug my shoulders a little bit when, when it gets into deep systems talk with the NHL and with hockey, because I think it's overrated the importance of it. It, it. There is some importance and there's differences between man and man, man to man defense and zone defense for sure. Or like a, a box and one or whatever they're going to run. Um, there's differences there. There definitely are. Um, but to say a team has a weakness against one is strong against the, I just don't, I don't think that's the case. I think that's really overstating the importance of, of, 
some of those strategies in, in the defensive zone. I think it comes down to personnel and it comes down to matchups uh, with different teams. And like the reason the Bruins lost to Florida last year was not because they run man-to-man defense. It's because they were an in-your-face physical team um, that pushed the Bruins and the Bruins didn't push back. That was not about man-to-man. That was about their mentality, them being in your face physically and them trying to intimidate the Bruins. Uh, It's not about the defensive system. It's about the mentality they have as a team. Uh, and the approach that they have as a team. Now, that that gives the Bruins problems. That is what it is. It's not the man-to-man. It's more the teams that really punch them in the mouth and wait for their reaction and consistently keep doing it and wait for the pushback that doesn't come. And, um, Florida did that. I mean, Calgary did that that first game out of the break. That was classic bad game against a team that just started punching you in the mouth uh, after every whistle and was waiting for you to respond. And the Bruins just never did it. It's like they were still on the beach and, you know, they didn't, they didn't feel like, uh, you know, getting into a fight. Uh, you know, they it just weren't, weren't going to be up to the task and went, didn't, w- didn't want the trouble, didn't want the smoke uh, as the street profits would say uh, in, in that game against Calgary. And I think there's just too much of that uh, when the Bruins play teams like that. And I think that is the issue and that's the big problem. Um, and, and like I said before to the other uh question the other email or the other uh, tweeter uh, i think they have to address that by um trade deadline acquisitions i think that's where they they fix that is bringing it the mentality the team has now guys like mcavoy uh, marshan leading the way trent frederick but it's also about bringing in some other players that play that way so there's more of a pack of of those guys to to sort of lead that charge um bevins keith sometimes watching the nhl bruins i wonder how they've won as many games as they have um i don't they've they're talented um but let's make no mistake about it the biggest reason they've won as many games as they have is their goaltending um it really carried them in the first half of the year they've been much better offensively uh since christmas um certainly they've tightened up defense in most instances notwithstanding the last couple of games the washington game and the calgary game i think they've been on balance better at both offensively and defensively and much more the caliber of a team that you would expect to see uh, as a top seed uh, in the NHL. But uh, make no mistake, the reason they have the record they have right now, the reason they're in the spot that they're in is because the goaltenders, Linus Elmark and Jeremy Swaim and the all-star uh, goalie this year, uh, really carried them in the first half of the year, and they continue to do the job. And Jeremy Swaim was the reason the Bruins were in that game against Washington on Saturday. And it was one nothing like halfway through the game, and they were still very much in it. Uh, was because he stopped twenty five to twenty twenty seven shots. Uh, the the Caps dominated the first period, uh, and then going into the second, they finally uh, broke through. Um, when they when they scored on that five minute major, and that's kind of you know when the game started to change a little bit. Um, but you can't really you know, blame Jeremy Swim. And I think he gave them every chance to win that game. He was the best player on the ice and, and essentially was let down uh, by the way that the Bruins played. And and that's been the story this year is how good the goalies have been. So, you know, that covered a lot in the first half of the year, but, but to answer your question, uh, obviously they didn't look like um, a president's trophy caliber team in, in the losses to Calgary and Washington, but you start you see that out of all the best teams, right? Like Vancouver came in here as the best team in the West and laid an egg against the Bruins in Boston, uh, where the, the Bruins played well. Let's face it, but that was not the best that Calgary could bring, and they kind of, you know, punted that game uh, as well, just like the Bruins did with a couple of their games at home. And that's I getting back to what I said at the beginning. That's what you see this time of year is 
you see the violent swings back and forth between good games and games where they don't show up. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, the phenomenon in the NHL and how this happens at this time of year. And certainly you're going to invite, invoke the wrath of the fans when you have games, no shows like Saturday afternoon, when, you know, fans are forking over hundreds of dollars for tickets to watch those kind of games. But that stuff happens in the second half of the year, especially with a team that's uh, way out in front of everybody else. You should, it's just the, it shouldn't be that way. Maybe uh, it's professional hockey. They should bring the same level of intensity every single night. And and you would expect that they're going to bring their all and bring a hundred percent. But when you've been around the game enough and you've watched enough games and you get to know that these are people, not robots, um, you start to understand that, you know, insert, you see patterns. And one of the patterns I've always seen is teams that are well into a playoff spot, second half of the year, the last few months, that stretch run before the playoffs, you're going to see a lot of inconsistencies in their game. You're going to see good and bad. And there's really kind of no in between. They sort of wildly swing between the two of them uh, for the rest of the season. We, we saw this, um, when they won the cup in 2011, people forget this sometimes, but they had some mad swings back and forth uh, with that team towards the end of the year. I think they went on a long winning streak after they, uh, after the trade deadline and they had a really good stretch when they got Caberlet, when they got Chris Kelly, when they got um, Peverly, all those guys. Um, but they ended the season sort of back and forth, winning a few in a row, losing a few in a row. And that was, kind of where they were at. I, I remember in 2013 when they got to the Stanley Cup final uh, against Chicago, um, Claude Julian used to call that team Jekyll and Hyde because they were like that down the stretch too. He didn't know which team was going to show up and they would swing back and forth between really good and really ineffective. And I think it drives the coaches nuts, frankly, because uh, they don't, it's it, it's tough as a hockey coach to go into a game and not really know what you're going to get out of your team. That's a bad feeling when you're on the bench, when you're not sure what you're going to get uh, from everybody. But uh, it's just that's the nature of things. And I think that's what you see uh, at the NHL level with teams that have uh, put themselves in a pretty good spot. All right. Uh, hello. Here is a question for your hockey podcast. With Milan Lucic out for good and the Bruins lacking four line, fourth line toughness in the lineup, what do you think of the chances for the Bruins to reacquire A.J. Greer or Nosek at the NHL trade deadline? And that's from Roger Perry uh, via the Facebook fan page. Um I mean, AJ Greer is interesting. I'm sure it wouldn't cost much to get a guy like that uh, that back. Uh, he provided some decent energy when he was here and decent speed, and and you know was a good soldier as a fourth line guy. He certainly had some, you know, times he took penalties where probably was unnecessary, um, but but certainly like tried to bring the energy every time he could. Nosick, I believe, is hurt. I don't I don't see them trading for Nosick or bringing him back. Um, one interesting name, and I, I can't remember if it was Connor Ryan or Mick or who mentioned this on the podcast uh, last week. I think it was Brandon Duhame from the Minnesota Wild. That's the kind of player I think the Bruins could use. Somebody that starts trouble, somebody that's physical, somebody that's in your face, somebody that's going to push you around after the whistles, somebody that's going to, you know, constantly be dragging you into the fight in a game like uh, Saturday, whether you want to or not. Um. I, that's the kind of player, especially with a team like Minnesota that you would expect is going to be selling off some of those players. That's the kind of player uh, maybe you go out and get. Somebody had mentioned to me Marcus Foligno. Uh, that would be another interesting one. I don't know that Minnesota is going to be moving a player like that. I think he's a leader there and he's a very important piece. But um, that's another guy that 
plays a hugely physical brand of hockey, uh, big, strong, tough, brings a lot of attitude, uh, would protect his teammates, would make everybody around him a little more courageous. You know, maybe it's easy for him to come here because Nick played here and uh, his brother and and liked it here and, and you know, kind of knows the, the lay of the land and knows it's a good situation here. So maybe he spoke well of it to Marcus. Um, but I think, you know, those kind of players, somebody like that, or Pat Maroon is another one that you've heard a lot. And I think he brings sort of a, a swagger, obviously, from winning the Cups and from being a big, strong, physical player. Um, and he's actually popped in a few goals this year, too. Uh, I think those kind of players are what the Bruins should be looking at, will be looking at. They need an established veteran guy that plays bottom six, that plays physical, uh, that's going to bring an attitude uh, to that uh, fourth line. And, and is going to do, frankly, what they thought Milan Lucic was going to do this year. Uh, and they'd planned for him to do. And, and the fact that they haven't had him has hurt the Bruins and has hurt their fourth line and has caused them to go with, you know, younger uh, guys uh, on the fourth line that don't have as established uh, ideas, energy, energy players in the NHL and, um, you know, have been good at times, but have not given the Bruins enough minutes, enough impact, enough anything um, when they've been playing in those roles. I still like Lauko. I, I think if you put Lauko and maybe Johnny Beecher comes up again at some point uh, or Bo, Boquist, I think he's played well too. You can't take it away from him. But you find an established winger to play with those two. I think you're looking at a very good fourth line and a very effective fourth line. Uh, Oscar Steen maybe is more cut out uh, for a 13th forward type spot where he comes in, occasionally brings energy. Um, but he's been given a while now, a half season, to really show he could be an impactful fourth liner. He's been okay at times, uh, but just not enough of an impact to take away, I think, the need for to get a player like that uh, at the trade deadline. So I'm not looking at Nosek or Greer. Um, you know, maybe if they want a face-off guy, which they could clearly use too, they they go out and get a Nosek type player uh, to win face-offs as a fourth line center. But I think they'd be much better off getting a physical, in your fat, uh, in your face kind of a hole kind of player um, that, that's going to bring some of that uh, out in the rest of the Bruins and, and uh, bring that attitude uh, come playoff time, where they're they're the aggressors and not the reactors, as they've been a lot uh, in those situations when things get nasty. All right. Um, Mac the fan 02. Joe, I enjoy your podcast. Would be interested in hearing from you and your guests where Bergeron rank among all time line mates. Figure Gretzky, Curry, Trottier, Bossy, and Lemieux Yager are ahead in cups and points. Did Kane play regularly with Taves? Thanks. I'm going to save this one. We're going to go back to this and I'm going to have this as a tweet of the week with like Mick and maybe somebody else. Cause I think this is a great question. Um, but I just wanted to say that watching Bergeron and Marchand do their thing for a decade plus um, or a decade. Um, no decade plus like 15 years, 16 years. Um, no, what am I saying? No, decade. Yes, decade plus. I was right the first time. Why am I even listening to myself? Um, watching them for as long as I did uh, was a privilege. Um, great teammates, great influence on each other, complimented each other, different people, but different people that brought like really good qualities out of the other one, which is what all great friendships are about. Um, the chemistry that they played with, the way that they played, Um you know, the way they played when Pasternak was with them as well, and it was a perfection line. 
Um, the best duo, no question about it, in Bruins history. And that puts them up there with these other duos. Now, yes, they only won one cup. So, you know, maybe when you look at some of the other ones, like Gretzky, Yari Curry, and, and Lemieux Yager, and Trottier Bossy, um, they're going to be a little bit behind them historically. And that's okay, because we're talking about all, like, Hall of Fame players here. But I, I, they're up there with those, you know, combos and i think they were together longer than some of those other ones so <clears throat> you know I, I think you've got to give them their credit and you've got to say two things they were the greatest center wing combo two man line combo uh duo in boston bruins history like i think no question about it best duo in bruins history as far as forwards go uh in the 100 year centennial history of the of the bruins and i think that deserves all kinds of um, chatter and, and discussion uh, in this centennial season for the Boston Bruins. And they, that puts them in the discussion of best all-time duo. I do not think that they were number one best all-time duo in NHL history. Um, in my lifetime, I'd probably give that to Gretzky and Yari Curry. Although, uh, you know, the other ones are great too. But uh, in my lifetime, um, I would probably put them number one, but, they're in the conversation and just to be in that conversation is, is pretty amazing. So thank you for that question. I am going to save that and ask that one again, uh, Mac the Fano too, because I think that was outstanding. All right. Uh, last one. How can the Bruins be so unbelievably bad, stupid, bad one night play lights out two days later, and then be back to incredibly bad again, two days later. That's why I don't trust them. Definitely not an elite team. One goalie injury from disaster from Beanie Albert. Um, I, I think like, as I mentioned a few times before, I think it's the time of year. And I think every team, look, Vancouver Canucks were outstanding against Carolina coming out of the all-star break. And then we're not good. And I think even the Bruins knew it. We're not good in that game on Thursday night, uh, in Boston, when it was hyped as the, you know, potential Stanley cup final matchup, all that stuff, it just never materialized because Vancouver really didn't show up, uh, like they should have. Um, so this is the time of year when that happens. I think every team has inconsistency and, and looks good and bad at this time of year. Um, so I, I, I'm not going, I, I judge more on them getting pushed around against Calgary, a game like that, as why I think they might have problems in the playoffs and why they may not be an elite team and they may have some weaknesses that are really going to kill them uh, come playoff time and be their, you know, their 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 mortal weakness uh, come playoff time, their kryptonite, so to speak. Um, one goalie injury away from disaster? No, I don't think so. I mean, I they have two great goalies. So, but, but. Um, if Jeremy Swayman were to get hurt, I think that would be a serious issue if it was all on um, Linus Allmark's shoulders come playoff time. Given what we've seen of him in the playoffs, given the questions he has to answer in the playoffs, given that he seemed last year to have trouble with the burden mentally and physically of all the pressure on him uh, day in and day out come playoff time and playing every other day, uh, I think all of that was... Um, something that the Bruins saw and kind of learned with him. So uh, I do think it would pose problems for them in, in the playoffs. But um, I think uh, to one say they're one goalie inju injury away from disaster, it's not going to be disastrous if Linus Allmark uh, is the goalie. I think it will t end up being um, a shorter playoff run, potentially. Um, 
but I, I, you know, and I, I'm one of those people that wants to see Jeremy Swayman uh, start game one of the playoffs, wants to see him get a run, wants to see what he can do. Um, so I, I, you know, you, you don't want that to happen. And you, you kind of uh, obviously, you know, think, I think a lot of people would get nervous on Causeway street. If, if Swayman did get injured prior to the playoffs, but uh, to say that they're one goalie injury away from disaster or like turning into a, you know, a basement dwelling team or going on along, it's not true. Like Lee and Mark won the Vezina Trophy last year. Um, disaster is uh, in, in too strong a word. Would they become a, a team that's at another first round playoff exit if uh, they had a goalie injury with Swim? Yeah, potentially, maybe. Um, but I, I, you know, I've long held the belief that this Bruins team has some weaknesses, uh, is a very good team, but still is a team in transition, still is a team that is uh, going from the old guard that retired last year in the last few years, this Dan O'Chara, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, that era, to the new era, Charlie McAvoy, um, David Pasternak, Brad Martian being the captain, you know, Charlie Coyle, Brandon Carlo, uh, the goalies, all Mark Swayman, you know, all those guys, um, Hampus Lindholm, um, uh, I think that's what we're seeing now is the transition to that in, you know, new group with younger players sort of introducing them to the expectations and sort of pivoting and rebuilding on the fly reloading. And I just think this is a transition year and I don't see them as a Stanley cup winner unless, you know, Swayman really gets hot. If Swayman turns into like this dynamic game changing force and he plays the way he is now in the playoffs, you know, and he really gets, hot maybe that changes the perspective a little bit um and it, you know obviously uh anything could happen once you get past the first round if you have a hot goalie like all that comes into play and the east is wide open like all that stuff but if i like really pull back and i evaluate this bruins team and i look at what's going on i just think that um they may win a round or two this is not a stanley cup caliber team uh, unless they really add at the deadline, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. And this is going to be more about getting some of the young, younger players playoff experience, sort of like completing the transition of going from one sort of like era to the other. And it's kind of a bridge year to competing for another, you know, five to 10 years with the group that they have. And that may be the way we look at it at the end of the day. I, I think maybe expectations have changed a little bit, obviously, with the way the, way the Bruins have played and, and what they've done. Um, but I'm not going to heap all that uh, kind of pressure on them to say like disaster is coming or they're an elite team. I like, I, I still temper my expectations. I'm not sure this is an elite team. I, I don't think they're going to, they're one player injury away from disaster, unless that injury is Charlie McAvoy. That, that could be disastrous if he got hurt. Um, but I don't think the goalie, one goalie injury would, would all of a sudden it become disaster. Two goalie injuries. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I think you'd say that about any team in the NHL. So um, Beanie Albert, thank you very much for the question on Twitter. As always, thank you very much uh, for the Twitter questions in the Hucks with Hags mailbag. Uh, let's thank our sponsors again one more time, FanDuel Sportsbook, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, if you're celebrating with FanDuel, uh, sit down on your couch, get some nachos, watch the game. Chiefs 49 is going to be really uh, entertaining. Then get into uh, FanDuel with so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many points, how many points will be scored, so much more. Get on it with the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. 
Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and sign up. And let's also thank Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious meals ready in two minutes. Just pop them in the microwave, leave the plastic on um, to let them heat up and use some of that uh, steam in the, in the micro to, to get it going. And then head to factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and use code HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. All right. Thanks for listening to the Pucks with Hags podcast, mailbag edition. Thanks, everybody, for sending the questions. We'll be back with guests uh, next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the ring.